0: That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello everyone and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. The place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. So this week, I'm answering two more questions, one about a pacifier, and another about a toddler engaging in some annoying attention-seeking behavior. After that, I'll share my biggest parenting or parent-child, I don't know if I'll call it conflict, I don't know if that's quite the right word, but I'm going to share about that. And it's about my oldest this week. And it's interesting because as much as I hate discord, it's a natural part of relationships and a natural part of parenting. But this experience really gave me an opportunity to coach my son on an important life lesson and my son and I a chance to grow even closer. And once it's resolved, you know, there's nothing more satisfying and warm and fuzzy than those growth moments together. So I'm excited to share about that one. But my first question is from Elise about pacifiers. And she wrote, Hello, first I'd like to say how much I love your podcast. I'm a birth through third grade licensed teacher and my degree is in child and family studies. So your podcast is everything I'm passionate about. It is full of great reminders of everything I would tell parents but seem to blank when it comes to my own. Now, I love that because sometimes I blank to Elise and my husband will be like, if you had a client, what would you tell them right now? And I'm like, ah, I hate when he says that, but he's always right. So Elise says, I have an 18-month-old daughter, and I'm due in October with our second child. I'm a teacher, so I've been home all summer with her, and I'm loving it, but she has recently become more attached to her nuke. She also has a small blanket that she sleeps with and is very attached to. I've tried having her leave her nuke in her crib when she wakes up, but we'll go back and pull it out and ask for it shortly after. We're wanting to try to phase it out and only have it for bed and naps and then be done with it altogether. But... Now we're concerned about first how to do it appropriately, and then what happens when she sees the new baby with one in a few months. Thanks so much for your help in advance, and I look forward to continuing to work my way through the podcast, Elise. So obviously, Elise sent this question in a few months ago, so baby's probably here or close to being here by now. But let's talk about a general rule of thumb with the new sibling arrival, and this is You don't want to implement any changes eight weeks before or after baby arrives. Basically, once you enter the third trimester, you want to keep any big changes at bay. And that is because what a baby comes a little bit early. So once you hit that third trimester, it's better to just keep those changes till later. These are changes like potty training moving although who in their right mind would want to move in their third trimester is beyond me but it does happen sometimes you can't get away from that actually my older sister had to do this before her third child was born now she's an amazing ball of energy she weathered it like a champ and handled the kids like a champ but if you can help it move earlier or wait until your baby is two to three months old also changing from a crib to a toddler bed, starting a new school, and yes, weaning from the pacifier. So for Elise, at the time she sent this, I would have recommended her to hold off on trying to wean the until the baby is two to three months old. So now that the baby has likely arrived or the arrival is imminent, definitely hold off for a couple of months. Once the time arrives, though, and you're ready to do this, you want to have a talk with her about how she's growing up and now that she's getting older, that pacifiers are just for bedtimes and nap times. Then starting at the next wake up. So if you talk about it in the morning, that would be at nap time. If you talk about it in the afternoon, that would be at bedtime. You'll want to take the pacifier and put it up out of sight. Put it in a medicine cabinet or a kitchen cabinet somewhere out of sight. This way she can't go get it on her own and she won't be able to see it as a reminder. Now, of course, she'll remember it. But if she asks for it, you can just remind her that now it's for naps and bedtimes only, and she'll get it when it's nap or bedtime. If she throws a tantrum, you can empathize with her while keeping the boundary. I know you like your pacifier and you're missing it right now, but it's for naps and bedtimes only. I'll give it to you at nap time later today. Or then you can redirect her to an activity that she's been doing. If she just won't have it, you let her work her way through the emotions Then you can redirect her to an activity that she was doing or you know that she likes to do after she's calmed down a little bit. After a day or two, this will be her new normal and it should not cause any further issue if you keep the boundary firm with the new rule. Okay, the next question is from Yulia, whose toddler is whining like a puppy to get attention or get her way. Yulia says, hello, I've been enjoying listening to the podcast so much. I can also say that because of them, I've become a better and more patient mom. I have three children, three and a half two, and a two-month-old. My two-year-old daughter does this weird thing where she'll go up to children and put her head down and whine a little, making them feel guilty for the toy. The other day we went to a children's museum and there were three bikes. Only two of them were taken. So instead of taking the bike that wasn't being used, she instead went up to the little girl with the other bike and hung her head and started whining, doing like a crying sound. I don't know what to do and I also don't know where she learned this. So, you know, toddlers will do some of the craziest things, or at least they seem a bit crazy or odd to us. But your daughter is testing to see what works. So, they're little scientists. And while this may not seem like science because it's not testing gravity or other forms of physical science, It's a social science, the science of human behavior, and if you think about it, all toddlers and preschoolers will do this with friends or family. What behavior can I use to get what I want in this situation? How do I get that cookie, that toy? How do I get mom to buy me the candy or dad to give me his last bite of macaroni? So like anything, if the whining works, she'll continue to use it until it doesn't work anymore. So you have a couple options. You can simply see how the kids work it out. Now, since your daughter isn't doing anything aggressive by any means, if she were hitting or trying to knock the child off the bike to try to get it, sure, then you definitely want to step in. But if your child is using words, gestures, sounds to try and influence to get her way, it is okay to let it go and see what happens. Just keep a close eye. Now, I think it's really hard for us adults to do this. As an adult, we have these rules, right? These societal rules about sharing what's appropriate, what's appropriate behavior to do in certain social situations and what's not. So for us, this feels like a real rub and it may also feel a little bit embarrassing. But if you can stand it, you might want to just let it go and see where it goes. Now, I had this with my twins a lot. My son would be playing quietly by himself, which he was so good at doing, and his sister would want to join him. He would say, no, I want to play by myself. But she wouldn't take no for an answer, and she would just keep pestering him. But then she would do this thing where she'd stop pestering, and she would kind of sidestep her way in she'd stop asking directly and just start asking questions about the toys or what he was building and can I put this one here and soon enough he would relent I would want to run in even when she was just pestering in the beginning I would want to run in and rescue him and be like no he said he wants to play by himself leave him alone but then I realized it's his job to stick to his guns if he doesn't want to play with her and if he gets too frustrated with her, not taking no for an answer, then I can step in and help. I But I knew I needed to let them work it out. And oftentimes they would just end up playing together. She would get her way and it would kind of bugged me. But this was between the two of them. It worked out. It was fine. Now, if the other child is starting to get frustrated, is trying to ride and your daughter's not backing down, then you can step in. Say, I can see he really wants to keep riding. Oh, I guess it was a she. I can see she really wants to keep riding and you need to let her ride. There's an open bike right over here. Let's go get that one. And then you can redirect the situation that way. Now, if it really, really, really bothers you and you just can't let it go, you're just struggling with it too much, you can go ahead and redirect in that way from the beginning. But I think it's perfectly fine to let it go and let the kids try to work it out until you see one or the other getting a little frustrated with the situation. Then you step in and help. If your child tries this with you, it doesn't sound like she has by your description, but if she does try it with you, then you can work with her if you find it annoying yourself. I know you want some of my dinner, but this is mine. I can get you some more. If you keep whining, then it tells me you're done eating. Whatever the situation is, you just want to let her know that the puppy whine isn't going to work with you and will actually have the opposite effect she's looking for because you're finding it annoying. So these questions were pretty quick, and since I only answered one question last week because I took a long time on that one, I want to go ahead and move on to the second question that would have been for this week anyway, so it's now the third question this week, and then we can be all caught up and be ready for next week back onto the schedule where I would have been anyway, and this is another middle-of-the-night question, So sleep is really important, and I think there's a lot of parents out there not getting enough sleep. This is a really important key area. It's really the first area where we as parents have to set some boundaries, and it can be really difficult, especially because they're still so young. We know they don't really understand. We want them to know that we love them, that we're there for them, but when it's the middle of the night, that can be tough because we really do need our sleep. We need our sleep to be better patient parents during the day. We need it to function as adults during the day. We need to be able to drive. We need to be able to drive our babies places and be safe. So it's okay to set boundaries around sleep and bedtimes and middle of the night, even though it may seem to go against the grain of being a nurturing parent. This is a very personal choice. For me, my sleep is extremely important. I'm a better parent when I get sleep. So I set my boundaries pretty tight after the first four months with all of my kids and babies. I also want to put out there that research shows that setting boundaries for middle of the night and bedtimes does not affect attachment to your child at all. It's how we are reacting to them during the day that really matters. Because they're getting a lot of connection during the day, that will keep and build that attachment. Now, if they're sick in the middle of the night, that is absolutely a different story. Of course, we want to be there for them and nurture them. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. So I'm going to, that's just my foundation. I'm going to lay down there. So Kalyan wrote in and said, hello, Aaron. my wife and I listen to your podcasts on child development. We have some queries. Our son is one year old. For the past two months, he has been getting up midnights, sit for a while, starts crying. When either of us tries to comfort him, he cries even louder, continues this for a while. Then all of a sudden he'll go back to sleep. The only thing that calms him is when he is breastfed. This has become a pattern and we're a bit concerned about this. Any help or suggestions would be appreciated. So there are several reasons why babies or toddlers will suddenly start waking up in the middle of the night after they've been good at sleeping through. Sometimes there'll be jumps in development. So these could be physical development or some cognitive developmental leaps that can cause some sleep disturbances or disruptions. Teething is another reason. So when some of the teeth are coming through, they're getting ready to burst through, they're going to wake up with that pain when they're getting close to waking up anyway. Of course, an illness like a flu or a cold can also disrupt sleep. So whatever we do during this time of the sleep disruption, the developmental leap, the illness, or the teething, if it lasts three nights or longer, it's the new habit. It becomes the new normal. So If you go three nights or longer, you need to know that this is the habit you're going to have to break and go back to the way things were. So when my toddlers would get sick and they'd wake in the middle of the night, I would try to keep those visits with the rocking and the comforting to two nights if they were getting better by the second night, by the third night, because I knew once we hit that third night, we'd be on a new habit and I would have to break it. Now, if they were still sick, which did happen on occasion, usually two nights they would be better, but on occasion the illness would go longer than two nights. It would be three or four. I would continue on to the third or fourth night because comforting them while they didn't feel well was understandably my first priority. But when I did this, I'm sitting in there rocking with them on night three, I'm cuddling them. I knew in my mind and I would say to myself, you know you're going to be working on going back to their regular sleep habits once they're well. And it's going to be a little more difficult to get them back than it would be if we didn't continue on for the next night or two. And I knew that meant setting those boundaries around those middle-of-the-night wakings, walking them back to bed, letting them know it's nighttime and they need to stay in their rooms. So for, for Kalyan, this new habit is now the middle-of-the-night feedings. So if this is the new habit you want to break, you have a couple of options. Now, I'm not sure how socially acceptable or available pacifiers or nukes are in India because Kalyan is from India and I do understand there are some cultural concerns or cultural aspects that may be coming into play. I mean, child development is child development, but there's also social and cultural things that come into play. So knowing that I don't understand some of the cultural norms, You can take what I have to say with a grain of salt and take that into consideration as you make a decision about how to best move forward with this. But as one, so the pacifier is one option. If he will use this as a way to comfort and fall back to sleep, you can try that instead of the breastfeeding. Now he's a year old, so I don't know if that will be something that he will be interested in at this point. But he's looking for that sucking to comfort to fall back to sleep. So pacifiers are fine to use for that instead of the breastfeeding. And they're fine to use up to around the age of four. After that, they can start to affect the way that the teeth come in. But before that, especially if it's just at bedtimes, this is fine. Now, most toddlers will get rid of the pacifier on their own long before they turn four. The other option is to set the boundaries around the middle of the night. Now, I would normally recommend going in to check on him, laying him back down, rubbing his back for a minute, and then leaving, and then going back and checking on him every few minutes, only staying up to one minute until he gets sleepy, but leaving before he falls completely back to sleep so that he's not falling asleep with you there and then waking up to you not being there because that can be very abrupt. It can actually cause more middle of the night wake-ups because if they fall asleep with you there, they wake up and you're not, it kind of jars them awake and they're like, wait, when I last time I looked, my parent was just here and now they're gone. And so it makes them wake up more in the middle of the night. Now I recommend this hands-on approach because he is so young, he's a year old. If you were two or three getting you up in the middle of the night and fussing, then they understand more, you can walk him back to bed And just tell him it's nighttime and leave. But since he's only one, they don't really quite understand yet. However, in your case, you're finding that checking on him is making things worse. You can leave him to put himself back to sleep. That is totally fine if this is what's going to work. Again, will not affect the attachment between the parent and the child. He needs to learn to put himself back to sleep. And right now, he's not getting the opportunity to do that. Now after a couple of nights, he will learn to do this easily and the wake-ups should end. Now my guess is he's had some kind of developmental spurt or there was some teething going on that disturbed his sleep process and the breastfeeding was comforting and so this started a new habit and now even though the spurt is over or the teething is over, he's learned that he can get comforting in the middle of the night with the breastfeeding if he fusses or cries long enough. So that's what he's now doing. So if you want to get things back And actually this goes right back to the last question or the, the, yeah, the last question about the whining, the puppy dog whining about getting what the toddler wanted, right? She's whining to try to get her peer to give her the bike that she wanted because something is always more interesting when someone else is already using it. That's the one you want because someone else is using it, Right. Babies and toddlers are doing social experiments to see what they need to do to get what they want. So for Kalyan and his wife, their baby has figured out what he needs to do to get what he wants, and it has worked. So that's why he's continuing to do this. So if you want to get things back to the way they were, and the check-ins are just making things worse, and he's not interested in a pacifier, then you may need to just leave him to allow him to learn to fall back to sleep on his own. Now in the class on both infant sleep and toddler sleep i cover three different methods for smoother bedtimes and nighttime sleep including troubleshooting any of these common issues like middle of the night wakeups nightmares naptime struggles etc and those are on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the health and development section to see samples of any of the 50 plus classes in positive discipline development and health education and modern parenting or to sign up for a membership, you can visit the website at yourvillageonline.com. Now, for my parenting struggle of the week, apparently my biggest struggle is sharing this story without going all over the place. So I recorded it. I didn't do a very good job at all of being succinct and sharing it in a way that was helpful and I think not boring for the audience. So I'm going to gather my thoughts over the week, go back and listen to it, make some key points and go back and re-record this. It was a really, really nice exchange between my son and I, my older son, and some really great lessons for both him and I about what parenting is now becoming as he gets older. Really fun, really amazing, but I need to be able to tell it in a way and I can pull the points of the story together in a way where I don't have to give so much detail, or I can really hit some main points, share what is helpful, and leave out all those crazy details and not go all over the place. So we'll get to that next week, especially since I already did answer three questions. We got a good amount of time in for this week. So if you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com.